everybody, welcome back. Hey. Uh, welcome back to our weekly live stream for Finatsu. And um, today we have a very, very special guest. This is Mark. But before we get started, we're actually gonna go ahead and uh, let you guys know um, that we want to thank you for um, being our Patreons, patrons on Patreon. Um, we kind of received one of our first payments from Patreon and that was really great and we have some really big plans with that. Um, in terms of having uh, better quality production, uh, new mics and... Um, software that could uh, enhance your visual uh, needs and your audio needs as well. Uh, we're definitely uh, working towards that. So uh, again, we thank you and a shout out to the Patreon that definitely are Patreons with an S that um, are really uh, supporting us in that endeavor. Thank yeah. you very much. So with that said, please, if <coughs> you guys haven't, um, please go ahead and subscribe to our Patreon. It's www.patreon.com slash And there are three tiers. Mm -hmm. um, the first tier is Hatsa, and that is um, you get access to pre-release content. And that's only for a dollar to ten dollars a month. And then we have Huba, which is uh, ten to fifteen dollars, and you get access to the pre-release um, Radical Histories, where we talk about um, tomorrow history, kind of kind of like counter canonical histories. And we also have Tulu, um, uh, the Tulu tier, mm -hmm. and that's uh, the Radical Readings. Uh, it's a fifteen to twenty uh, dollar range, and um, from that, it's again uh, just a supply of. Uh, counter canonical maybe um uh readings that can really broaden or uh your your mind yeah definitely yeah. all right so to get started today we're here to talk about um Palauan independence Palau's road to sovereignty uh so um as you guys may know Palau just recently celebrated mm -hmm. um in their independence on October 1st and the Palauan community of Guam also celebrated it uh last weekend in Ipau. Um, so Mark is here to kind of introduce himself and give us a little bit more um, kind of a, a background of Palau's road to sovereignty. Uh, so Mark, just go ahead and introduce yourself, man. Thank you, Hannah. Thank, thank, yeah. Thanks, Hannah. Thanks, Al. Um, again, like Hannah was saying, my name is Mark. Uh, Mark Nireol. I'm Palauan. Um, I'm actually fairly new here to Guam. I moved here um, just... Uh, not not more than two years ago, um, and uh, when I was uh, approached by Hannah and Al about coming and speaking about a little bit about uh, not just uh, about Pala but also my background and um, also about uh, you know the history of Palau, the culture of Palau, mm -hmm. um, and the road um, the Palauan government and its people ha have taken since you know the pre. Uh, Pre-war and the you know the World War Two era, mm -hmm. as well as uh, to the present day, I was excited. I was like, you know, this is something um, I'd like. You know, I'm passionate to talk about. I like to talk about. I can't say that I'm an expert at all of the facts, but um, I'm. I believe I'm knowledgeable enough to at least share some insight. Mm -hmm. um, Definitely. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Thank you guys for inviting awesome. me. Thanks. Thanks for, Thanks for joining us. Yeah. yeah. So I know. Uh, just a couple of days ago, we kind of met, and we were kind of talking about um, Palau, and you, I learned a lot of lot of new stuff. We learned a lot of new mm -hmm. stuff about it. So can you kind of tell us, like, how did, um, what was it like? Like, how did this, how did, how was, like, give us a little background on Palau and... and uh, Some history, Yeah, definitely. like, how did it become independent, or okay. what caused that, and stuff um, like that? Well, sort of the, I guess, to start with a brief history of Palau, um... 
Palau, like a lot of the islands um, in Micronesia, whether it's in the islands of the FSM or the Marshall Islands, faced, as well as Guam and uh, the Mariana Islands, um, faced similar situations, uh, at least talking about the recent history of when Japan took over um, the islands uh, uh, during World War II. And during that time, um, Palau, just like the other islands, was you know under the control of the Japanese. So um, you can see this distinct uh, sort of culture of our grandparents that was uh, you know they were raised during that time. Mm-hmm. They can they're bilingual because they can speak Palau and Japanese. And a lot of the systems, whether it was school or whether it was even um, the the way of life or even whether it was business practices. Uh, we strongly emulated the Japanese. And then um, after World War II, when um, the United States took possession of the islands and uh, <coughs> um, they were awarded like the trusteeship of the islands, and that's what um, uh, Palau fell under. Mm-hmm. Palau, um, pretty much the, uh, the islands that uh, uh, comprise of the FSM, the Marshall Islands, and at the time it was a Saipan as well. Mm-hmm. Guam was yeah. um, immediately kind of... Uh, turned into a territory yeah. at the time. Um, and we remained that. We remained a trust territory pretty much after the war up until the end of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, to, you know, the during the Cold War, the UN had this uh, sort of um, agenda. Or the UN wanted all of the pre-colonial... Um, Territories that all these world superpowers—they basically wanted to get rid of mm-hmm. um, the old ways of basically having countries basically hold colonial outposts all over the world. Mm-hmm. So, part of um, that wish was um, having the United States as sort of a a steward to uh, help the islands reach independence, and that was what the the trust territory was. Mm-hmm. Um, the the di- the different islands, sorry, I should speak of the different islands. Um, the different islands had different routes that they wanted to sort of achieve to to, to take to become independent, mm-hmm. or whether they wanted to become independent or not. So, for example, um, the CNMI they chose to become a commonwealth. Yeah. Um, Palau, um, the FSM, and the, the Marshall Islands. Um, in the beginning. They, uh, the United States wanted to basically um, maintain this sort of um, united Micronesia sort of uh, territory yeah. or, so, or something. I, I, I can't really rem- remember what the, the term was, but they basically wanted to keep everything united. Mm-hmm. Um, at the very beginning, Palau and the Marshall Islands did not want to opt in. They, they, they wanted to opt out of that. They, mm-hmm. they wanted to seek a more independent route. So, which is why you see the Federated States of Micronesia comprises of Yap, Chuuk, Pompei, Kosrai, yeah. and not Palau and the Marshall Islands. Uh, the Palau and the Marshall Islands sort of uh, decided they wanted to step out of that. Um, and of the, the three entities, the FSM, the Marshall Islands, and Palau, Palau was the last to come into agreement to what we wanted in terms of whether it was independence or mm-hmm. whether we wanted to seek a a more closer relationship with the United States. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, like I, I said in our conversations before, the, mm-hmm. the reason being was because Palauans um, in the, at that time, it was in the 80s and the, the, the early 90s, 
they wanted to uh, make sure they, they they saw what was happening in the world, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. namely um, in the early fifties and sixties when the during the Cold War, mm -hmm. when they were holding tests to in the Marshall Islands, basically to test all the the atomic Atom weapons. Mm -hmm. Everybody was watching. Uh, mm -hmm. Of course, not the entire world knew about this, but mm -hmm. uh, people that were closer to home, like people here in the islands, um, could see that. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons why Palau took so long to come into some sort of uh, agreement with the United States of what we wanted as our status was because in our constitution, we um, put in our constitution that uh, a clause where in order for... Uh, in order for the United States, or basically, the we decided that the there would no there would there would uh, be no nuclear weapons mm -hmm. allowed in, in Palau, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um, this being a major uh, point of conflict for the United States because they they you know having their warships which are nuclear powered mm -hmm. and. Um, they need the capabilities of being able to transfer nuclear weapons around the world. Mm -hmm. um, this caused a lot of strife in Palau for years. Yeah. And um, basically, after almost a decade of civil strife, after the death of two presidents in Palau, um, after like eight referendums and, and uh, numerous plebis plebiscites, trying to convince the people of Palau that uh, basically, you know, the United States of America wanted, listen, you guys need to enter into this compact of free association. Mm -hmm. This is, if you don't do this, then we're not going to help you. We're, we're, you know, you're on your own. Um, after a lot of uh, time, a lot of strife between the Palauan people, that was when, in Oct October 1st, 1994, um, mm -hmm. they signed mm -hmm. the compact of free association yeah. and we declared ourselves independent. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess I, you could say like declare ourselves independent in a you know with quotation marks because we're independent in the sense that we make our own decisions. We have our own government. Mm -hmm. We have our own seat in the UN. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of aspects of independence, whether like we can remain on our own financially, being self reliant, and uh, uh, the protection like military protection, we still rely heavily on the United States. Yeah, and mm -hmm. that's kind of part of being independent is. You were able to kind of create that, um, I guess that that agreement with the U.S. Right, right. Um, and so I know um, some of the ideas, I guess, about being independent is that you are automatically kind of on your own once you kind of sign that Declaration of Independence. But as you mentioned, um, the U.S. is still there to uh, um, help you with infrastructure and help fund you. So. What, were, what was kind of like the background of COFA? Like what was the agreement with COFA and even um, on your way to uh, becoming independent, becoming a sovereign nation, what, what kind of funding was given? What mm. kind of assistance is, was given to you guys? Um, for, for Palau specifically, and, and one thing that um, may be lost to a lot of people is that each of the COFA states, meaning Palau, the FSM, and the Marshall mm -hmm. Islands, we all have compacts of free association with the United States, but we're all very unique in the sense that our compacts are different. Mm -hmm. um, they all basically entail the same things. It's financial assistance, uh, a close relationship with the United States, handing over our, um, our, our basically our, uh, our territory 
for the military rights to the United States and the sole military rights only to the United States. Um, they, they all share that aspect, but specifically for Palau, um, different aspects uh, that we included in our compact was making sure that infrastructure was set in place, like um, something that uh, is well known in Palau, we you know, it's nicknamed the Compact Road. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, 50 miles of road that stretches um, in the North Island, which is pretty much the North Island is uh, like about 80 to 90 percent of Palau's landmass. Mm-hmm. And before um, they built that Compact Road, there was really no road. Uh, I mean, there were dirt roads, but they barely made it in to the uh, to the North Island. So things like that. It took. Uh, more than a decade for that to be built, but now that you know that's built, it's it allows us the uh, it allows Palans to better connect ourselves to our like uh, parts of our island and sort of um, you know uh, it leads a uh, way to better uh, development whether it's uh, businesses mm-hmm. elsewhere and because uh, for the the longest time even during the the Japanese mm-hmm. uh, occupation during the war mm-hmm. everything was sort of um, uh, concentrated in Koror, which is the former capital of Palau, mm-hmm. and it's where majority of Palaus live today, yeah. and also in the other islands of Peleliu and uh, Angar, which yeah. are also in the south. Mm-hmm. Which you know, if you look at uh, the map uh, map of Palau, you you have these tiny islands where the majority of people live, and then you have this huge eighty percent, ninety percent of Palau's landmass, and it's like untouched. Yeah. So that that was one of the. Yes, really quickly, we have a question from one of our viewers. Is the U.S. military currently uh, present in Palau? Yes, they are. Um, the that's a good question. Um, the The military does have the U.S. military does have a presence in Palau, but it's not uh, the same as you would uh, think of, like here in Guam, like Anderson Air Force Base, or um, they don't have a military base of that magnitude. It's more like um, if you know, like the the CB camps, they're basically outposts of um, like military engineers that come uh, and they you know they basically do a lot of uh, uh, work to help our government whether it's um, whether it's uh, help with our infrastructure help with all sorts of things um, but yeah it's it's definitely on a much smaller magnitude but part of the compact uh, one of the clauses in the compact is if at any time the United States decides that they want to come mm-hmm. and uh, create, you know, sort of uh, establish a, a much larger military base they can. Yeah, so that's the, that was an agreement that you were able to create mm-hmm. with them, right? I yeah. guess that's also a big worry. But, so we were kind of, any other questions? Sorry, that's well, pretty, that's, that's a good question, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so with the Compact of Free Association, uh, COFA, um, the U.S. was able to give you guys funding for mm-hmm. infrastructure. Um, are they still giving you guys funding now, like until now? And yes. like, where does that go to? Yes, they are. So um, the the first phase of our compact mm-hmm. actually ended, I believe, in 2009. Um, ever since then, um, we've sort of been in limbo because we've been trying to uh, lobby the the Congress to approve the second phase of the the compact, um, but because of the economic recession and the, the downturn and also the change in presidency, a bunch of different factors, it's mm-hmm. sort of prolonged that mm-hmm. uh, agenda trying to get Palau the funding it needs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still, we've, of course, ever since then, we've still been able to receive funding from the United States, but it's more of like a, a temporary basis where they're giving sort of 
uh, partial amounts every year. Basically, at this point, the financial assistance that we receive from the United States helps to um, uh, basically, uh, it, it's a part of our government budget, like mm -hmm. yearly government budget. Um, it helps to uh, fund um, health services, education, mm -hmm. the, the, the Department of Education, yeah. basically all aspects of our, uh, of our government. It's not the majority of the, mm -hmm. the government budget, but it's a substantial amount that if we did not have it, a lot of uh, programs would, would be cut. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, other, the I would say that the majority of the funding from the compact pretty much came... Um, ha has already been yeah. allocated to to, to Palau, mm -hmm. pretty much, and it comes through infrastructure like I did I described the compact road, um, like I do, and then other things like making sure that we have a a proper power grid and water lines to provide for the people yeah, of Palau, yeah. um, and 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 also just basically uh, the other part of the the compact is money that's being set aside to be like a sort of a sovereign fund or mm -hmm. basically a fund for Palau that when we start to wean off of the, the compact and we finally end the compact aid, mm -hmm. that we can sort of on a yearly basis take money out of like uh, basically a fund that we can help to um, sort of basically help us with our government budgets and mm -hmm. our funding so mm -hmm. that it's not like we're... And I guess the best way I could describe it is they're helping us so that we're not that they're not just cutting the cord. Yes, but they're, definitely. Yeah, they're basically yeah. it's, it's, it's time Yeah, yes, it's basically and that's like really, really over over a period of time, it's helping us to become yeah. like more self reliant. Yeah. I think it's similar to like in the Philippines mm -hmm. um, because they were also a territory of the U.S. right, mm -hmm. uh, colonial possession, and even at that time, I believe uh, when the Philippines had fought for their independence. They were given about 10 years to, they were like, um, they had, they established almost like an agreement with the, with the U.S. Mm -hmm. And then the U.S. had agreed to kind of help them with their funding. And it was over the span of 10 years, mm. if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, it was like over the span of 10 years. So that's pretty interesting, yeah. like really interesting stuff that, I mean, that kind of clears up um, a lot of things. So and then I think uh, like, uh, we, uh, another, I think another burning question is like, uh, maybe like, I know we talked a little bit about alliance building <laughs> and um, how, um, you know, your alliance now uh, mm -hmm. with the, wait, Taiwan? That's right. I'm yeah. mistaken, okay. So yeah. Taiwan, and then you talked a little bit about that yesterday. That's right. Day, so I guess as part of being as, independent, yes, you're able to create alliances? So That's who right. do you guys, who, who are, who, who is Palau, like, with an alliance? I think, um, First and foremost, uh, in terms of our partners, Palau's partners that we benefit the most from mm -hmm. and uh, like outside of the United States are uh, by far Japan and Taiwan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so um, even after the war, um, there's, there's a lot of, there's, there's like two sides. Of course, mm -hmm. Japan during the war committed a lot of atrocities yes. that they, you know, they took over the islands. But mm -hmm. there's a good portion, there's a good population of Palau that don't have resentment towards the Japanese. Mm -hmm. In fact, because Japan was in Palau for so long, it, you know, we intermingled, we, there was a lot of marriages. So there's a lot of Palauan Japanese um, descendants from, mm -hmm. from that time. So, mm -hmm. um, there really is, at least at this point, if you know, 
you, you, you can go back and say, yeah, you know, there were some bad things the Japanese did during that time. But if you were to ask most um, Palawan people, especially like, you know, our, our grandparents or parents, is they don't really speak badly of the, the Japanese. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it kind of translates to today, uh, to today when you kind of look at the, the projects that the, the government of Japan and the people of Japan have done for Palau. It's almost like there are other there are other partner other mm-hmm. than the United States. What other projects mm-hmm. have you guys done with? So, um, if you I don't know if you guys uh, maybe it's too it happened too long ago, but uh, we're all the same age here, so it's it basically happened when we were kids in Palau. the The bridge at the time that was built by the, the U.S. government, the mm-hmm. Army Corps of Engineers, um, collapsed. Um, and it was a big like catastrophe in terms of like it was you know it was an expensive project and it collapsed not even ten years after it was built or something yeah. like that. Um, after the the bridge collapsed and this bridge basically connects the north and the south islands mm-hmm. of Palau, um, and Japan came in and they basically gave they basically built us a new bridge mm-hmm. and uh, it's the the name of the bridge is called the Palau the Japan Palau Friendship Bridge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, things like that. Things like our airport was funded and built by by Japan. Yeah. Um, our um, so many things like uh, our uh, I believe our hospitals uh, hospital in Palau was also funded uh, with the help of Japan. So many different projects in Palau like that were help were basically um, funded mm-hmm. by the government and the people of Japan. And um, the other partner that I mentioned was Taiwan. Yeah. And for a long time. For almost maybe more more than two decades now, Taiwan um, has been has had this dim- diplomatic relationship with Palau. Mm-hmm. And if for those that are not aware, Taiwan doesn't have um, or is Taiwan is basically trying to court as many uh, countries as it mm-hmm. can because it's what Taiwan is trying to do is become an entity that it can. Um, be recognized by the UN and by the rest of the world because at this point, um, the conflict that yeah. the sort of stalemate, sort of cold war type mm-hmm. of conflict that's going on between Taiwan and, and China, China is, yeah. is that China um, refuses to uh, believe yeah. that Taiwan is out, yes, yeah. is outside the realms of its control. That Taiwan is actually a, a territory yeah. of China, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and Taiwan asserts its independence. Mm-hmm. So Palau is one of its sort of. Uh, allies in the mm-hmm. Pacific mm-hmm. and um, because of the partnership we've had over the years Taiwan has also really helped uh, Palau out in, in a lot of projects yeah. our capital um, uh, that's uh, that was just built uh, less than 20 years ago I, I, I it's hard for me to say that because I feel <laughs> like it was built like five years ago yeah but um, it's the a lot of people will know because it's basically modeled after the the Washington DC. Yes, yeah, your capital uh, building, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and that one was actually funded by Taiwan as well. Wow. Things like that. Um, Taiwan is very heavily, um, not just in Palau but across the Pacific, mm-hmm. very heavily uh, invested in in the in the region. Yeah. So I I would say outside of the United States are um, easily our top two partners in uh, helping us reach independence are mm-hmm. Japan and Taiwan. Yeah. And I know we were kind of talking about it too, and. You guys also um, said that Taiwan is helping with roads too, right? Like that is correct. Infrastructure yeah. and stuff like so, that. So, um, even the so the the main highway that connects the entire 
uh, North Island of Palau was built uh, with the funding from the United States. Yeah. But that left a lot of the sort of village roads, a lot of the mm -hmm. ancillary, ancillary roads that connect the villages of Palau. And they, you know, for the longest time, they were just dirt roads. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Taiwan came in, even both Taiwan and Japan came in, but Taiwan specifically came in and it's like here, you know, uh, with the help of uh, uh, negotiations from our, our, our present and past presidents, they were able to come in. They gave us funding. They mm -hmm. and they basically allowed us to create um, roads that connected the villages of Palau. Oh, yes. oh definitely. Uh, very quickly, uh, another question from uh, one of our viewers. Uh, to be clear, is Palau independent or free association? So maybe going into the differences between uh, both statuses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the I guess the 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 best just to be very frank. Palau is not fully independent. Um, we there's it's it's a clause that we are in a free association with the United States. Um, basically, uh, the United States provides a lot of what Palau needs in terms of funding, in terms in terms of military defense. Um, and it, if it wasn't for these things that the United States could provide for us, then we really couldn't be. On, we could be on our own, but we would not be able to provide our people a lot of the things that, uh, with the help of the United States, we could provide. Um, we are independent in the sense that uh, we make our own decisions as mm -hmm. a country. Mm -hmm. We decide our own laws. Mm -hmm. We uh, act as our own uh, body when we are uh, at the UN. And a lot of people can argue that and say, well, you only act according to what the United States tells you to act. Uh -huh. you know, a, lot, a lot of people can argue that. Mm -hmm. And yes, that's that, that can be true sometimes. But there are times um, in the past that we've disagreed, whether it was the United States, whether it was with our partners like Japan or Taiwan. Um, you know, uh, you yeah. know, this is just basically politics. You know, trying basically, even though these are our major uh, beneficiaries, I mean, not beneficiaries, but these are basically the, the countries that allow us to continue to provide the you know to have mm -hmm. a stable government and provide services for our uh, our people um, Palau in the end is able to make this make these decisions they, mm -hmm. they can vote they can establish connections with countries we can have embassies and they can ha other countries can have embassies in our, our yeah. countries so in that sense yes we are independent we aren't so as of right now because you guys are kind of still in that limbo of transitioning mm -hmm. right so That's you right. you do have this kind of compact and, and support mm -hmm. from the U.S. That's right. right now, right? Mm -hmm. But that will eventually end. That's right? correct, yeah. Yes, yeah. And then I believe, I'm not too sure, but I think I was kind of reading it. Um, how long was the agreement with the U.S. for like military protection? Was it like around like 50 years I, or I, something like that? I believe so. If, yeah. if it wasn't for 50 years, it was... Um, if, if it wasn't, I believe if, if it wasn't 50 years, that could be renewed or it, yeah. it was 100 years, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So right now you do have an association and an agreement with the U.S. That's right. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty cool. Um, Definitely. There was, a, there was a second part to that question. Maybe a better way or another way to restate it would be, um, do you see a path uh, towards um, a complete uh, political okay. independence um, through free association? Is that viable? I, I think... Um, to sort of even describe uh, just how countries are independent, I don't think Palau, or even thinking about other countries, uh, the way the world is today and how it, how globalized it is mm -hmm. today, 
to say that a country can ever fully be independent, I, I don't think we can say that because we rely so yeah. much on other countries. The United States is the, the world superpower, but without the help of other countries mm-hmm. like China, it would not, it, it would, you know, it would yeah. crash, you know. It's uh, a... Yeah. So there's always kind of like... Um, there's always like a... Give and take, a relationship. There's a relationship yeah. that... Yeah. Um, and um, But I, and I know what the question is. The question is like, can Palau actually... Uh, be self-reliant can we uh, be a country where we're not relying on foreign aid can we be a country that where um, you know where we're, we're able to provide the our people the necessities whether it's health education mm-hmm. uh, a path to uh, a better life mm-hmm. um, can we provide these things for our people without other countries um, that for in my opinion I believe we can Mm-hmm. I just believe the the road that it's gonna take is it's not gonna be easy. Yeah. It's, it's gonna be long, mm-hmm. but I believe Definitely. that we can. And it, yeah. and I think again, you know, like this is you know, like you were mentioning earlier, there's this time frame and it's mm-hmm. this transition period that I think Palau is you know is is going through right. And this is just my, from my observation mm-hmm. and maybe some of the things we we've been reading right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think that's that's really something that's uh, that we that we must, you know, also take, you know, into account all the time. There's going to be the trans- transition phase. Mm-hmm. And um, in that phase, it's the building relationships. Like you said, you had it with Taiwan, mm-hmm. um, you know, and um, and Japan, right? And mm-hmm. those are, those are, I think, critical. And, and, and um, yeah. you know, knowing that there's other people we could, you know, really make relationships and build, build uh, those, the supply and, um, you know, reciprocity there, That's that right. would be, yeah. that would be definitely... So I remember we were also talking about it and we kind of mentioned like how important it is to have um, good leaders and leaders who look out not just for the near future, but also for the longevity and the Mm -hmm. sustainability of the island, right? right. And I think we kind of talked about it uh, briefly when we met and we were talking about like how China was kind of pushing on Palau to switch its alliances from Palau to Taiwan, but they decided to still stick with Taiwan. Mm -hmm. And that's a kind of... There was a little bit of... Um, you said there's like a cultural aspect. I mean, or maybe not just culture, to... but maybe like we were kind of talking about um, because in the long run, it would have been more beneficial mm-hmm. to stay with Taiwan. Could mm-hmm. you say a little bit about the Chinese um, and their when they were investing in Palau? That's right. That yeah. um, and and this to sort of, before I go into that, to sort of uh, give everyone sort of like a, a backstory, if, if people don't already know, um, the landscape today in terms of what China's trying to do is they're investing heavily in a lot of countries around the world mm-hmm. to sort of build like a sort of political clout and to, to sort of build um, basically what the U.S. has. Mm-hmm. The U.S. Um, basically has control over, over the world because of they have they have military bases all over the world. They have uh, these uh, diplomatic relationships with other countries that they formed all over the world. That's, that's basically over the span of hundreds of years that has brought the United States to where it is now. That's basically what China is doing mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's happening in the Pacific. It's yeah. happening in it's Africa. Happening in Sa- mm-hmm. uh, Saipan. Saipan? Yeah. We got Taiwan, Saipan. It, it's happened in Saipan mm-hmm. over the past know, couple decades. Um, uh-huh. And now it's starting to happen. We're starting to feel it um, in uh, in the other islands. It's happening mm-hmm. in Chuk as, as well right now. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, if you're hearing about the, the secession movement, mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. how... Chuk is uh, wanting to secede from the FSM because uh, at least uh, there's a, a faction of people that want to secede because they, they think, you know, maybe if we align ourselves with China, 
uh, we have it better. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that was that's been happening in Palau for I'd say the past five to seven years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the the basically the uh, the the Chinese have tried to and and to just to make this clear, you know, China and Taiwan are very two. Yes. When we talk mm-hmm. about these things, mm-hmm. um, they're two distinct entities. Taiwan is the island of Taiwan that separates itself from the communist uh, country of China. Mm-hmm. Um, China has been, you know, trying to make inroads into Palau by sending, you know, tr- trying to form the diplomatic relations. Um, they've been trying to send um, basically tourists our way and and you know. Basically promote, uh, basically promote business in Palau and and more revenue to, to, to flow into Palau. And if you're in Palau, and uh, you know I've only been going there back and forth uh, mm-hmm. the past couple years, every now and then. Mm-hmm. But you see the dramatic change in Palau in just the past five years compared to the last twenty. And it's yeah. because you see this influx of Chinese tourists and Chinese mm-hmm. investors trying to come in, trying to sort of uh, basically bring. Palau under their sphere of influence, um, and uh, it's caused a strain over the years because we have uh, had a relationship with Taiwan much longer than this relationship with, with China. China. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, in the past five to seven years, you see hotels sprung up. You know, spring up in like a year. Yeah. So like in a year, wow. like you'll have five hotels and five resorts spring yeah, up, and then the just next to year the same the thing. For a few years at a time, um, we were receiving, um, like, we were getting about a hundred thousand tourists a year, mm-hmm. which compared to the the amount of tourists that were coming to Guam is really minuscule. But mm-hmm. when you think about our infrastructure and the amount of people we have, it it was starting to put a strain mm-hmm. on us. Mm-hmm. When the Chinese tourists started coming in, they started accounting for more than half of that. So wow. it wasn't just like 100,000. It was yeah. approaching like 150, yeah, 160. Yeah. And like half of that was coming from China. Yeah. So everything was inflating. Like all the hotel rooms were, the prices were mm-hmm. increasing. They're, they're, I'm, pretty sh- I'm pretty sure they're still up there, like 500 bucks a night for a room. Wow. Um, yeah. And then you see a lot of uh, locals trying to take advantage, of course, Mm-hmm. Of the the booming uh, landscape, mm-hmm. people are selling their land. People are, are people are leasing their land. People are sorry. sorry. My friend is making faces. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, okay. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Do you have a room full of people on So okay. you you see like um, a lot of people that are trying to take advantage of. They're, they're trying to get that piece of the pie. They're seeing all this money come into Palau. Yeah. And, and 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 you know you don't you you don't blame anyone because of course you're gonna try uh, if you if you're part of that you're gonna try and and see if you can uh, build a better life for yourself. So, mm-hmm. but what what ends up happening is you have uh, basically investors coming in from China mm-hmm. and they're they go to a farmer or a fisherman or a family of you know a, a lot of Palawan families still they they still live with their extended families. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very. It's you, you. go in, and it's the mother, father, grandparents, grandkids. Mm-hmm. A lot. Of, a lot of families are still that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, a Chinese investor comes in, and they offer, "Hey, uh, you lease me your land for a hundred years, and I'll give you a hundred grand cash right now." And for a farmer or a fisherman that lives uh, subsistence, you know, they just live off of the land. They live off of the sea. Yeah. They hear like, "I'm getting a hundred thousand dollar check." Sign. Uh, where do I sign? Yeah. 
you get a lot of these stories where people get taken advantage of and of course you hear that and you're like well they should have been smarter but but that's what happens when people are not used to that kind of money they yeah. get exploited Capitalism, and, basically. exactly mm-hmm. and so you end up seeing these all of a sudden these mansions springing up and then families being displaced because yeah. they have nowhere to live so they end up having to live with relatives because they can't stay in their homes anymore because oh I'm not going to see this land. Mm-hmm. My kids are not going to see this land. Mm-hmm. Years, and my grandkids right? are probably not wow. going to see this land. And, and, and you mentioned like it doesn't even have to be like they are going to build something on it right away, right? Exactly. It's, yeah. it's something that's within 100 years, yeah. right? Um, reserved? Yeah. Yeah, it's reserved. Sorry, we have about 10 minutes to kind of. Wow. Cool. Oh, but I mean, that's a really yeah. interesting point. And I Definitely. remember. Those are some similar stuff that happened to Guam when mm-hmm. investors started coming into Guam, right? And then, like, Tumon Strip, that was owned mm-hmm. by, like, a lot of families. And now yeah. it's just um, hotels yeah. and things like that. But even with that, so, anyways, yeah, you were talking about, um, you were talking about uh, Palau and China. Yeah. And mm-hmm. was there a lot of damage damage that was happening? And then, like, how did that, so, has it ended? So, it, it came to a point where... Um, and I, I kind of discuss this, and I, I try, and I try my best to, to be as impartial as I can. But mm-hmm. in the in the tourism world, in the tourism industry, like it's kind of like well known that there's like your A class customers, and then there's your customers that are not so A class. Basically, mm-hmm. your customers that spend a lot of money, mm-hmm. and that are great because they're very they're very kind and mm-hmm. they, they take care of the they, they make sure they come and then they leave everything better than how they the, either the uh, how they yeah. left it mm-hmm. and then you have the customers that are not like mm-hmm. that you know they, they come and they don't spend any money because all the money that was spent was spent in their country so basically what I mean is the tour packages like for example companies in China were selling packages to the cus- their customers or the tourists there so by the time they came here, none of the money was being spent in. Or sorry, by the time they went to Palau, they none of the money was being spent there, wow. because all the money had already been spent in China. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So all it was was, oh, um, this tour agency, we've basically hired you for an entire year. We're mm-hmm. paying this amount of money mm-hmm. for you to take our clients out to the Rock Islands for a year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the tour companies don't realize that on the back end, these tour agencies in China have made. Tenfolds or twentyfolds yeah, of what income, what they're yeah. paying for mm-hmm. in Palau, and mm-hmm. so uh, things like that, and things like tourists, the, the Chinese tourists coming and not respecting uh, the environment. Mm-hmm. There, and what what it was was, in, at least in my opinion, is you see you see this boom in middle class in China mm-hmm. and people that have never traveled outside of China. So when they do have the chance, they it's kind of like they're they're just like fish out of water they're just like oh you know we can do whatever we want here because mm-hmm. it's this is just like Disney World throw the it's trash yeah yeah right. so the, it was uh, upsetting a lot of of the Palauan people a lot of the environmental and when I say the activists in Palau it's weird for me to say that because I believe every Palauan is an activist so it's yeah. it's, not, it's not like it, was, it wasn't like the uh, a group of environmentalists in Palau were getting upset. Everyone in Palau was getting upset because they were noticing that oh, our okay. our islands mm-hmm. were. Was, we we go out to the beach and we see like, I've never seen trash on our beaches before, mm-hmm. but all of a sudden I'm seeing it now. So, mm-hmm. um, it, it started getting. It, it got to the point where the president decided, okay, we're gonna cut charters flights from China to just like once a week or something like that. And it basically came to the point where. Um, 
we're no longer seeing flights from China yeah. coming in. Wow. So basically, there's a ban. Yeah. But that's actually come from China, not necessarily Palau. Yeah. There's a ban of ch- Chinese tourists and also investors coming into Palau. Mm-hmm. And it was be- and it be- basically it, it stemmed from we had a choice to end our relationship with Taiwan, mm-hmm. but our government decided no, we were not going to do that. So because of that, we're no longer seeing that wave of tourists. Yeah. And you know, uh, understandably, it's hurt a lot of businesses in Palau because in the past five years, we've propped up all these hotels, all these mm-hmm. things to accommodate the Chinese, and all of a sudden, it's yeah. gone. Granted, it's not as bad as what you saw or what we've seen in Saipan, where you know the yeah, Japanese kind of like up and left, and then yeah. the Chinese have come to try and sort of it, the there's the sort of the, the tourists that Saipan is starting to see. It's not like that, but um, a lot of the decisions that have been made in Palau are because of what we were seeing in from other in other islands, and yeah. that's definitely. A, do the Chinese still hold leases? That's the thing. They they do, um, and the, the those companies that, the, from the deal that they turned away. Yeah, how does that how does that handle? Do they have leases? Yeah, so that's that's the that's the big question that even I have it's they still hold those leases mm-hmm. the, the the question is is they how how are they so of course it's still under their they still have the the, the title for the deeds for those uh, leases the problem is is they can't act on anything because they can't come to Palau so either they send proxies like people from other countries to come and take care of that business for them um, and that money gets you know diverted that way to them in China, yeah. which is probably what I'm I'm thinking is it's happening right now. Yeah. Yeah. So to kind of almost like, do you have another question? Yeah, we have a question from uh, Carolyn Marie, who I think is one of our patrons. Um, you mentioned that in the last five to ten years there has been more tourism, hotel construction, etc. How has that changed the island? You might have already touched on that. Um, if people are selling their land, do Palauans feel they will have a, a situation similar to Guam or Hawaii? Where so many of the people leave the island, um, maybe just to yeah. That's a that's a very we actually were we're talking about that, mm-hmm. and I, I'd like to go more into that because of that question. Yeah, um, the what what's uh, what's happening is people um, are making basically they're they're becoming overnight millionaires because of these uh, these uh, deals that are going on. But mm-hmm. some of them aren't so you know they aren't so lucky. Um, what what basically happens is people end up selling their home, selling their property, and they have no proper. You know, they end up having no land to go to. So yeah. then they, well, um, we should probably move to the U.S. Maybe we should move somewhere else where we can have a better situation. And it's it's kind of like this thing where, you know, here you are in Palau. You we you have your your you have something that. Uh, basically belongs to you it's like your inheritance mm-hmm. but then you have to move somewhere else to, to seek a, a better life when you could have um, what ends up what uh, what's going on in Palau is everybody's watching what's been happening what's happened in Hawaii what's happened in Guam what's happened in Saipan um, I, I would say most specific more, most specifically Saipan because it's like the most recent thing that mm-hmm. we can look to and we're looking at it like uh, collectively. I, I I believe Pal- the the Palan people are looking at it, and we're seeing that, and we're we see that that's not something that we we want. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm glad that at least it's come to this point where 
it's no longer happening. At least the the wave of Chinese tourists are no longer coming coming in. I don't know how long that's gonna last. Mm-hmm. Whether it's gonna come to the point where it's like, oh, we're gonna allow them back in, you know? Because then again, there's there's always people, yeah. no matter no matter where, that that are gonna try and take advantage of of uh, trying to get, you know, basically get the the they're trying to get ahead of of other people. Yeah. Um, but. I guess the, the the best I can say is everyone's watching. Um, people, the, the the problem is is when you have people that have been poor all their lives, or not necessarily poor, but mm-hmm. when they want a better life for themselves and it's within their grasp, it's really hard for for everyone to say like, no, don't do that. You know, it's it's um, any it's it's understandable when you have a. A family that's basically had nothing all their lives, yeah. and when someone offers them uh, some money for, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, sure thing. I'll, I'll give, I'll give my land away. I mean, f- as long as I can pay my bills for the next few years. Yeah, without thinking thing. of the yeah. following generations, right? Which has happened. Yeah, something that's common in places mm-hmm. like Guam too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but anyways, to kind of wrap up, and we were again, we were talking about um, China and kind of the troubles. Uh, what kind of benefit has happened so far that China, uh, you're not receiving as many tourists anymore? Um, it's hard for me to comment on the benefits um, simply because I'm I'm not there to really see yeah. it. Um, the the immediate effects that people feel are basically the effects that uh, basically the negative effects, mm. and that's always the the first thing that people are gonna talk about because when you have uh, f- you know families that turn there you know the basically because the the hotel landscape in Palau was in such high, in high demand you, you see a lot of families turning their homes into B&Bs mm-hmm. um, I mean even I, I have experienced that like my own family like we, we decided to turn one of our home homes into like a B&B um, and I was just talking to my mom about it and she's like I was asking her so what what do you think about this and it's like yeah we're you know it, it's it's a good thing because it's not uh, it's like we, we, we want good tourists to come to Palau. We want people to come and respect our culture, to respect our land. But then, you know, you got to feel for the people that uh, try to make a living off of this. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's taken away from mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Hey, uh, one more question. Uh, a question that was texted into um, to us, actually. Uh, what are the feelings of most Palauans about Guam's decolonization? Which more self determination? Are they supportive of it, or do they uh, even know much about it at all? And also, <clears throat> what benefits do you think Palau could gain if from an inbe- independent Guam? If you could just throw that in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, I can say, at least in my opinion, and I think I can say for a lot of Palauans, a lot of Palauans support the idea of Guam becoming independent. Mm-hmm. Um, because simply because we have the same vision for ourselves, we mm-hmm. we believe others should should follow the same route. Um, I was actually just speaking to to Hannah and Al about uh, about this uh, a few days ago as well. I I know uh, for I I know that Palauans uh, inherently in um, in themselves they they no matter what they support uh, people becoming uh, independent becoming. Uh, you know uh, who they are and becoming self-reliant um, the question is always how plausible is that gonna 
like whether that like how how uh, plausible is that road gonna look like um, and the discussion that I had with H Hannah and Al was um, for like for example Guam becoming independent is it is it really like realistic for Guam to be fully independent where it's like the United States has a no hands like okay you're on your own you're, you're basically mm -hmm. or how about in the sense that Guam is independent but has contracts with the United States mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I mean, similar that, to that, right? yeah yeah like if we had negotiations mm -hmm. yeah and I, and I think that's that that's uh, I think that's uh, something that's plausible the thing that I remember I, I, I mean the thing that I always brought up was I always wondered about Guam's uh, strategic importance to the United States and whether the United States was even willing to let that happen. Yeah, to like, that's a big issue that's that the, we're facing now. And, and that's, mm -hmm. even if Guam wanted to seek independence... Even if we voted independence, they still wouldn't give it to us. Yeah. The, basically, the amount of money that the United States has invested in Guam, I, I, I can just try to think of it, if, you know, if I... If I was, if I was, if the United States was a person and I spent so much money on this thing and then they said, uh, you're not going to see any benefit from this investment. I'm, I can, I feel like the United States is going to really push back hard on that, especially with yeah. the fact that there's this military buildup coming mm -hmm. from Okinawa and stuff. Yeah. Um, in the end, it's Palauans, I know for a fact would support it, but it would be a, the, the question we would have in our minds is, would it happen? Like, would it even be possible? Um, the, 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 the people of Guam should fight for independence as much as they can. And I, I, in my opinion, mm -hmm. I feel like the, the most realistic route for Guam to reach independence would be something of similar, not necessarily the same, but something mm -hmm. similar to Palau and the other islands where mm -hmm. it's this, this, this uh, long-term plan that... Uh, the, the United States and the and Guam has to basically uh, lead Guam into independence. It's not mm -hmm. going to be like an overnight thing. And, and that's definitely one, one of the um, you know like concerns uh, mm -hmm. that's always frequently brought up is really like that idea of like, well, is it the cold turkey effect or mm -hmm. is it you know the the plan right, the mm -hmm. timeline? And mm -hmm. I think you know um, uh, really like you know you, you were able to make some points on that uh, mm -hmm. throughout the the podcast of of you know saying like well you know we have relationships here this is how how it works and how it works now right now uh, you talked about uh, how they aid you and you know how there's aid in infrastructure how it goes um you know kind of back and forth and how you know really importantly you're able to um really um determine for yourselves right as as a as your own nation or as a republic right to um to kind of make the decisions that are necessary in in benefit of your own uh, of of Palau right of, mm -hmm. of the plate of the island right so um, and its people um, so I mean definitely those are um, definitely great great stuff and I think we're actually out of time uh, yeah. so um, but <laughs> we want to you know thank you again yeah. Mark yeah, for coming you. by and joining us and definitely no we we we're very thankful for you know you know bringing coming by and sharing your um your uh, thoughts on uh, yeah. really uh, on Palau and, yeah, and his journey <laughs> so far you. and I just want to also remind everybody we have the uh, Patreon account of www.patreon.fanat.com slash fanatsu the three tiers the Hatsahugua and Tulu um, and uh, also um, definitely if you'd like to uh, learn a little bit more we got the radical readings uh, radical histories that are uh, 
exclusive to the Patreon members. And thank you again, those uh, Patreon members who are uh, shout out to them for uh, supporting us. And I'm totally just watching uh, a few <laughs> people behind the scenes and they're just making me laugh. But uh, thank you again. And uh, I think we're, I think that's we're out. Yeah. Thank awesome. you so much. Adjust. Just Adjust. Adjust.